No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our tots on target. Bouncers and jumpers and swings, oh my. Yes, that is the title of this week's podcast and the discussion that we had with Bree, an occupational therapist of the account Sprout and Thrive. We had a fabulous discussion between myself, Mary, who's also an occupational therapist on the PT of the group, and Brie. And it's a topic that is near and dear to our therapeutic hearts because we have lots of thoughts about all these items that we might call baby containers. That's anything that a baby is placed in that keeps baby in one place without really having a lot of flexibility to move. So... Um, we really appreciate you joining us and giving us the opportunity to explain how some of these things might affect your baby's development or might not help your baby's development along. So that's really the premise of this podcast and something that we really hope gives, gives you greater insight as you walk through the aisles of a baby store or how you plan out your day with your baby and how to think of playtime, specifically more playtime on the floor. So again, thank you for joining us. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on any of the channels that you might listen to your podcast on and give us a rating, five stars, please, and share our podcast with any friends, relatives that you might think would benefit from it. Welcome, Bree. We are so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Okay, so before we dive in into this wonderful conversation, would you just describe for our listeners your clinical experience, your background, and how you started Sprout and Thrive? Yeah, so I am a pediatric occupational therapist. I've been practicing for over a decade. I've worked in um, outpatient clinical settings, home health, aquatics, and I ran a nonprofit internationally where I did home health for years. Um, so I'm very passionate about working with young families and babies in particular. Um, I have specialty training in neurodevelopmental treatment. So um, I'm really focused on motor development um, for kids of typical and atypical needs. Um, and I love adapting play in the home to just make it work for whatever the families or babies needs are. I'm okay. excited to just share with parents like why play on the floor is so important because I think people kind of negate it or ignore mm -hmm. it after tummy time. I just want to help parents understand that it's super easy to get on the floor and uh, yeah. Yeah. Why use it? Awesome. So when you go into Bye Bye Baby or whatever the baby store is that's near you across the country and you're looking for registry items to put together and there's the swing and the exercise and the bouncy seat and the bouncy seat that rotates and counter rotates and all those jazzy items that people think that they really need. What should parents think about those items and how do they start when they're getting ready for their first baby or second baby? Where do they begin? Yeah. So for me, I, I just don't like having that much stuff in my house. So that was my first, um, 
kind of initial reaction to, I just don't want all the stuff. And then I realized as a therapist and a mom, you don't need all the stuff. Um, really what our babies need is to move on the floor um, and be free to explore the environment or to be up in our arms and be getting some social engagement and sensory engagement and language engagement, which is all um, free and easy to provide all the time. Um, so while a lot of those devices are marketed to new parents, I think a lot of those devices are actually really well marketed to meet the needs of the parents only and not to meet necessarily the developmental needs of the babies. Because as you guys know, as therapists and moms, Babies are developing so quickly and making so many brain connections so quickly in those first few years that the more they can move and play and and kind of just get an experience of rolling over or that worked or that didn't work on the floor or in the pack and play or on the crib and have the freedom to move is is more beneficial for their brain development. And so I just love to get kids on the floor or onto a flat surface where they can really just start to play like that. I mean, aside from not wanting all of that stuff in your house, like when did you sort of have an aha moment that, or I don't know if you even saw when you were practicing even clinically, did you notice a correlation with kids who were not meeting milestones or were delayed? Um, and also the amount of time that their parents reported that they spent in devices. Yeah. You know, I, I remember being um, in a family's home and treating a toddler and having um, an infant in one of the bouncy seats. And, and, you know, we were busy with the toddler. And so it made sense to put the infant in the bouncy seat. And all of a sudden he was arching and fussing and crying and just so unhappy. And when we got him out of the bouncy seat and brought him on the floor with us, he was totally content. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just feeling stuck in that equipment. He couldn't move. He couldn't be a part of the play and he wanted to be, and he wasn't hurting anything by being down on the floor. Um, so just having him join us and some of those toddler tasks wasn't necessarily like our knee-jerk reaction, um, but it ended up being more beneficial for both of the siblings to have them down on the floor and interacting. Um, so that was kind of an aha moment for me. Um, and I, I know that I've seen a lot of kiddos over the years um, that that do spend a little bit more time in containers, maybe at daycare when they're trying to get everybody fed or, you know, taking turns getting diapers or naps or whatever. And um, and I just think, you know, there's a there's a time and a place for it. If safety is a factor, for sure, you want to make sure that the babies are safe. But if we have the choice to get them down on the floor, I'd prefer them down on the floor just to prevent the head flattening and make sure that, you know, we're getting opportunities for motor movement. I, I have a not playing devil's advocate, but in reality, a lot of babies do struggle with tummy time or being on the floor, or certainly if there are multiple kids at home or you have a pet, you want to make sure that your baby is safe as well. And I do, as you said, love the idea of a playpen or a pack and play or something like that for that safety purpose. But we've actually had this question recently from a mom who said, you know, my baby will only um, settle down in the baby swing, or that's the only place I could put him or her down when I need to go take a shower or something like that. Um, so I also recognize the need for parents to have a safe place and certainly something like a swing where that is giving some of the vestibular rocking input that soothes the baby. So do you think it's all or nothing? Or do you think that there's some balance that parents can find to use some of these pro products in a constructive or at least not harmful way? No, I think there's definitely a balance. Look, like motherhood is busy and crazy and overwhelming. And sometimes there are days when it's four o'clock and you haven't had a hot cup of coffee. Like 
today. Uh, (laughs) So um, I get it. Like you have to shower and you have to do things. And if you, if you put your baby into some sort of container for getting those tasks done, fine. Like you got to keep your sanity, get through the day, be realistic, unload the dishwasher, you know, that sort of stuff. I get it. I just prefer to have them down on the floor as often as we can. So my, my push for parents is always to try to not let babies be in containers or devices that have a seatbelt for more than two hours a day if you add up all the time across the whole day. That'd be like the car seat, the bouncer, you know, the jumper when you had to go change the toddler's diaper. Like if you add up all that time across the day, try to have it be less than two hours a day. Which I think is a manageable goal to get through, you know, cooking dinner and grabbing a shower and, you know, all the things that you have to do. And even you speak about the car seat, I think that that's one that we don't always think of as a container because it's used as a safety and secure device that is essential for getting around. But one of the areas that I always say is like a pet peeve is when um, it's used as a stroller as well, because I've seen this walking by the mall or even outside when you have that like six to nine month old baby, who's as you described before with that baby next to the toddler you were working with, where the baby's trying to like get out of the car seat to look around. And when they can actually, if you are moving around, sit up in a stroller instead, they can use their body, they can use their core more than when they're in that 45 degree angle, not able to sit themselves up because they're harnessed in. Yeah, I see that a lot too. What worked for me as a mom in that age range too was baby wearing. Um, So that helped a lot because he could really be looking out and engaging with people like at the grocery store. But I also remember like jumping up and down in the parking lot of the grocery store the day that he could sit up in the cart. (laughs) Because, you know, the car seat takes up the entire basket. And, um, you know, it's just such a better position for them to be up and looking around um, in that cart. So I I remember celebrating those days. So the stroller and the upright shopping cart was was a big deal. You know, you said, you know, maybe a max of two hours, but it's amazing how quickly time adds up. So I think it's, you know, something else for, you know, parents to think about like, oh, how much time? So it's almost like probably, Brie, you would agree that you almost want to educate them from the beginning. Maybe if you don't purchase all of these things, or maybe just have one or two things to use as a safe place, um, because a baby doesn't need equipment to meet milestones, right? So the floor helps the baby milestones. So really, it's going to be about a safe place to put babies. So I think think probably a lot of the education is key from the beginning about really looking at equipment and what can you limit? What would be helpful to you as a mom? Allison said maybe a swing, you know, and maybe what would be helpful to preserve your sanity as a parent, but recognizing that you don't need equipment to meet milestones. So it's really about less is more because the time adds up very quickly because think about like maybe a 20 minute car ride. And then it's, you know, if they're in a, uh, you know, a car seat, like Allison mentioned, now it's an hour walk around the mall and then it's the car ride home and then it's the swing. So that time really can fly. So I think it's about maybe helping moms and dads shift their mindset that um, less is definitely more and use it as a safe place for an as needed, but it's n- equipment is not necessary to meet milestones. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to like put any more pressure on parents either. There's enough mom guilt and crazy feelings of, of being enough, especially in quarantine. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just look, at, look at your time over the course of a week. If you have a couple hour drive to go see your parents or whatever on one day, then just be conscious of not having the baby in containers the next day and right. you know, mm-hmm. give yourself a pat on the back. It, it, it all evens out. And, it's like an effective um, diet, right? You could still yeah. have the birthday cake one day as long as you eat your carrots and celery the next day. There you go. <laughs> 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 
Right. No, and actually something I think that's really interesting you said before is that parents often forget about floor time play after they just have to focus on tummy time. And I think we should explore that a little bit because you're right to advance to dynamic sitting, crawling, pulling to stand. These are all milestones that Mary, you said need to be met through playing on the floor. So I don't know. I feel like we should unpack that a little bit and just think about how babies could be using that floor time play more to meet those milestones. I really encourage parents to put their babies on the floor, especially past the stage of tummy time. So obviously when you're in tummy time, you know, babies are working on strengthening their neck and shoulders and their upper bodies um, to push up and look around. And a lot of times after that initial push, parents are like, oh, they're sitting and they'll just plop them in sitting and, and kind of walk away and let them play. But the floor is really the most, well, the easiest place usually to plop a baby, but it's it's the most... Um, beneficial input, I think, because it's really allowing the baby to work against gravity, which is what our bodies have to do all day in real life. Um, so not only is floor play important for tummy time, but also for rolling. Rolling is that transitional movement from tummy time, but it's going to get you into sitting and crawling. It's what gets us in and out of bed. It's what helps us move around um, in all these functional positions past tummy time. So I really try to help parents understand that floor play is an investment in your baby's motor skills long term, and it's not just a place to lay for tummy time. And what I love to really talk to parents about more than anything is that quality over quantity in tummy time is really where it's at for me. You know, if babies are crying and absolutely distraught in tummy time on the floor, I don't see the point in pushing through that. I mean, from a brain chemistry perspective, there's such stress hormones going on that it's negating all the learning. Um, so I think there's what's what's great is that there's a variety of positions you can work on on the floor or on your legs or on your own body um, to support bonding and, you know, help baby get a tolerance for being down on the floor. And after they get mm -hmm. ready for that, then you can start working on rolling, sitting, crawling, um, and then stepping into standing. It comes so quickly, but <laughs> all that development happens on the floor. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, something that you said, it, you know, definitely that I'm in agreement. It's almost like when you start and you empower parents at those really early ages, even from, you know, those newborn moments, you get a baby that's almost used to being on the floor. So then, you know, once you sort of are able to get over that hurdle, then usually babies are happy on the floor, you know, obviously assuming there's no medical issues, no reflex that makes it uncomfortable. Um, but sometimes the more time baby spends on the floor, the more he enjoys the floor. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. I've, I've seen a, a trend that the more floor time baby has, um, the better they play independently, which as a mom, who that's interesting pop, you know, dinner in the oven is, is a real big deal um, that, you know, if you kind of scatter some new toys in a new way on the floor, um, and, and kind of set baby up for a play environment that they're used to on the floor with just, you know, maybe a variety of toys, you can walk away for a few minutes, um, and, and get some stuff done. And, and they're used to being on the floor, um, and not needing to be in a container or held or, or on you all the time. So, yeah. You know, one of the products that I really love is one of those um, very big, like four-sided baby gate that doesn't have a bottom. So you can really like have that bigger space instead yeah. of just a playpen, which is more compact and limited to those 
four walls of the playpen, but um, those baby gates that go really wide around and sometimes they have things on the walls of them so babies can play. And at least there's also that safety perspective that you know that you're putting them there in a safe environment. I feel like that really difficult stage is like that 12 to 14, 15 months when they start walking, but they have no safety awareness yet. They're really <laughs> nervous about walking away when they're, you know, those late crawling stages. But once they start climbing and getting all around your house and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, just a small baby area isn't enough anymore, but having that bigger space where a, you know, new toddler can really explore and play, as you said, past that tummy time stage to continue using their muscles against gravity, I think is really important. Yeah. I love those big play yards. They're super, super helpful. Um, and they can also keep the dogs out of the way too, if you've got pets yeah. around the house. So that's a nice bonus too. Or have two different ones, one for the dog and one for the kids. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, no, I think that it's, it's really, um, such an important thing for us to realize in the early age. And it's something that Mary and I have also talked to teachers about using the floor for older children, preschoolers, kindergartners, using tummy time actually during a circle time, getting more input through the body. Um, there's a lot of floor time play that can happen instead of always having designated areas in a chair or a seat using the floor time throughout, even going beyond those baby stages is so important. Yeah, I love that. I um, just spoke at a conference um, on toddler development and and we talked a lot about getting down on the floor to do um, drawing, writing and reading um, just because, you know, a lot of parents will say, what if my baby skipped crawling? Is that okay? Like, yes, it's okay. But here are some activities to really work on still getting that upper body strengthening past the baby phase. Um, and I love that. And I used to do that a lot when I was treating in the clinic um, is really color and draw on the floor so that babies are really or toddlers are really pressing up through their arms. But then it's really nice hand-eye coordination too when the paper's so close to their face and right, you know, smack dab in front of their hands and they're really paying attention to that hand-eye coordination and really working on building that brain-body connection for skills way past just infancy. So let's just break this down also again. Okay, so we've, we've kind of targeted that, you know, and we've said this before, but we'll say it one more time if you're a new listener here. Tummy time is very important. And I think what we're trying to relay over is that it's not just about tummy time as that designated time. It's really about the continuous importance and um, and spending that time in floor time play to make sure that that's almost really like your go-to or a child's go-to is playing in a floor on the floor. And it's about making sure that the toddler environment is also set up so that they are navigating through their environment on the floor. Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I always default to the floor. If you can do it on the floor, do it on the floor. Because uh, right, I think, as you said before, like coloring, you could do it at a table. You could do sitting up on a stool and doing it at a table. But really, the go-to of trying to utilize the floor to target the strengthening of all the muscle groups is is more effective that way than at a table. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about how wiggly toddlers are and how often they change their position, infants really aren't different. They want to change their position often too. Um, and so if they're, if they're stationary in a position, um, in a container, then, then they don't have the opportunity to really explore that movement. But if they're down on the floor, you know, and they see a toy across the room, then they have the opportunity to then start moving their body and, and the brain body connections are laid down through motor learning, which is experiential. So baby has to move through an experience in order to learn how to do it correctly. So, um, you know, if they roll over and they kind of flop onto their back, they're, they're still learning. It might like look like a mistake, but 
but there's so much learning going on there. And I love um, just presenting baby with a variety of play ideas down on the floor and opportunities to get after something interesting and let them just move their own bodies and learn what that feels like. And I think also maybe it is education to the parents about look just thinking about tummy time a little bit differently. Like it's not just because my pediatrician says it and I want to prevent a flat head. It's really the gateway position for all other positions, right? So it's the starting point. So once baby is good on the belly and he's strengthening his neck, his core, his back muscles, his arms. Now he starts to pivot. You know, he goes from side to side. You know, now he's starting to roll. It's just, it's almost like that entry point that all other motor development sort of springs from. So it's almost like we have to shift the focus a little bit, that it's not just about preventing a flat head, but it's really the starting point for all future motor development. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about when a baby's sitting on the floor, sitting's really helping to refine their balance skills. It's giving them the ability to then reach and play and engage with toys, bring things to their mouth. Um, when baby's crawling on the floor, it's helping to strengthen, again, their shoulders, but also their hips um, to get ready for standing um, and climbing and crawling upstairs. And when they're getting ready to walk, playing on the floor really helps to strengthen the lower body as they're, you know, squatting and practicing getting things from the floor and getting back up to the couch. So there's no real downside to playing on the floor. It just continues to strengthen baby's body, you know, over the course of motor development. So I love it. Going back to containers a little bit, are there any containers? I mean, I'm sure you could rank them as like least favorite to sort somewhat tolerable, but what would be a container that you think is not good at all? Um, you know, I don't love the Johnny jump up. <laughs> Are those the jumpers? The jumpers. Yeah, the jumpers. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't always put the baby's lower body in a great position. And I think, you know, what's underestimated there is that um, when baby doesn't have a good foundation to build off of, everything else is also a mess. So if baby's feet aren't planted, you know, well on the floor and their core isn't engaged, um, their reaching skills are off. And then they're tipsy in the in the um, equipment and they're maybe not able to bring things to their mouth and they're frustrated. And the more that baby experiences movements like that and kind of feels like they're floating out in space and don't really have a good grounded base of, of movement is, is not the most beneficial for motor learning. So... I don't love the activity tables where you put them in the middle. If you've got an activity table where you can kind of take the legs off and make it um, accessible to a sitting baby or a baby that's pulling the stand, I'm a big fan of those um, because I think there's just more opportunities for baby to be in control of their own movement and feel more stable. Are there any that you hate specifically? Um, do I hate any of the specifics? You know, I guess like I, I always go back and forth because I'm going to be honest, I've I've had all of them um, for my kids. And I think that in the ideal utopian society of where all OTs and PTs rule the world, none of these, I think, none of these things would exist because as we all say, you don't need any of these products to assist in development. And if we don't provide so many of these toys for our kids to play with, then their creativity actually starts to develop on their own by themselves from those infant stages. So I see as a parent who goes into these stores and there are so many things and you, and there are so many things that we use to entertain ourselves. And so we think our babies need those things and we're relieved when we could put our baby in something and they are entertained for the 10 to 20 minutes while we're doing something else, or we just need a breather. So there's that side of it. On the flip side, 
again, when we're when we start from a very early age and don't inundate our babies and their brains with all these extra things that we think that they need for entertainment value, I think that there's so much more to be gained from just putting all of that aside. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that, that my favorite would probably be the swing. I think that they are getting fa- some vestibular motion in there. I think that they are getting some of that cradling that if you yourself can't provide it from your own arms, they're getting some of that that input through their whole bodies and that curved motion that's safe for their spines. So I think that the swing would be my favorite. Second would be like a plain old bouncy seat just because you have to put your baby somewhere I had twins to start out with. One had, you know, like I, I kind of felt like I needed one to be easy access in the spot. And, you know, I just felt like I needed something like that. But everything else I think is not necessary. And actually, I feel like, Mary, you've um, been more of an influence to me on this area. So I had one of those activity tables, one of those that lights up, the light up tables where you switch it and they all sing and they make noises and they do all those things. And I had one of those scenes, those um, activity gyms that you lie the baby on in their back. And I always had to turn on the lights because I was like, otherwise they'll be bored. And this was before I knew Mary and we were in our partnership and I was even early on in my career. But the more that I've gone in and learned more about these products, I'm like they don't need flashing lights. They don't need everything to make noise. They should be doing things that are a little bit more simple, that are not affecting their brain in, in some of these ways that are not natural for their brains in these early weeks and months. So um, I'm not even sure if I answered that question, but I'm going <laughs> off on my own soapbox here because I'm always torn between, I get the mom perspective where you need these things or you feel like you need these things and you want to have something that you feel like your baby is entertained without you being the entertainment always. But on the flip side, are we just starting off on the wrong foot always entertaining as a, as a verb rather than creating their own entertainment, even that though it might be harder in the first beginning, but letting them develop that on their own. Well, that's why you think, yeah, (laughs) and I I think, but definitely, but I think that's where sort of the education comes in that I also want to let parents know that if we look at containers as more of a safe space to put baby, when you need a break and you need to run to the bathroom, look at it that way. So, and that would change your whole focus because then you may pick the pack and play because I am literally viewing this as a safe place to put my baby so I can attend to my other child, so I can make dinner, so I can, so it's not a place to necessarily entertain and it's not a place to develop milestones because it won't happen in containers, but the focus is going to be a safe place to put the baby down when the floor is not available. And I think maybe if we just encourage parents to make that switch on how we think of it, um, then they will realize that the pack and play is good. Where I got a bouncy seat. This is good for, I don't need the jumper plus the extra saucer plus the bumbo plus the bouncy seat because there's no need for that. Right. For the station rotation, as we call it. Yeah. I think that's great. And, you know, I, um, I liked what you were saying about, you know, feeling like we need to entertain baby all the time. And my favorite thing is to open the kitchen drawer and see what looks interesting. Like I can't tell you how my friends looked at me sideways. Like, what are you doing? But on my activity gym with my kiddo, I had a whisk hanging there. I had a basting Uh box. I had a loofah. (laughs) I just like literally walked around my house was like, what's interesting. And he hasn't seen in a week. It's just about presenting new opportunities. Or five minutes, but it's a real young baby, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's just about variety and, um, and just grabbing stuff you already have at home. I'm just kind of a big fan of exploring, exposing kids to things that are already around the house, because I feel like you acquire so much baby stuff, (laughs) even if you try not to that, um, I try to just let real life items become toys. 
And it's interesting because my daughter loved the hairbrush. It was just a soft bristle brush. She loved the hairbrush like that. And I've seen babies just play with like a water bottle. And how many times you know, do babies prefer those items? Yeah, a bowl. We try to give them a toy or a rattle. And then they're looking for the spoon that we're trying to eat with. They kind of gravitate towards some of those things to begin with. So yeah. why not use them as part of your activity center? I love that idea. That's a great idea, Brie. Actually, another, uh, I don't know what you guys would think about this, but it's its almost in a way also when we talk about um, screen time for older kids, we also talk about it like limit it, try to make it that it's not their entertainment that they're getting throughout the day. And maybe we need to think about that as well for some of these extra things that we're entertaining our babies with. It's almost like, you know, not technology necessarily, but it's almost a different technology. Mm-hmm. These containers or these light up toys, they don't necessarily need to be front and center. They need to be used in moderation, similar to how we think of our older children with electronic devices. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I always say like, if the toy is working more than the baby, then it's not a great toy for the baby. The toy shouldn't That's a good be... One be more active than the baby because you know if the baby if if the purpose is that the baby is learning from playing with the toy they need to have opportunities to um, have trial and error and see what works what makes the blocks fall over what makes them roll across the room Um, you know and if they're just swatting at a toy that lights up and sings and then 10 seconds later is off like all they're learning to do is hit a switch. They're not learning, you know, the sensory properties and the 3D experience. And what does that feel like in my mouth and my hands? And what happens if I throw it? What does that sound like on the floor? And, you know, there's a lot of learning that goes into those open-ended, non-battery operated toys um, that I'm a pretty big fan of. And And I love that because, you know, we've got a a post over on our site too, that, you know, 10 toys that last you from newborn past the first year. So ways to really engage with the same toys, you know, you don't need to buy new toys every two months. And if you just change the way that you play with them a little bit to be more developmentally appropriate for what's going on with your baby at that point, it's less stuff in the house, but it's also giving them more cognitive opportunities to really explore and use things in a different way. Right. Absolutely. And how many baby toys are just plastic replicas of real life items like stacking cups like you could give them regular plastic cups like I don't know. There's so many things that are just real life items that you could probably find around your house. But I feel like those toys are probably the most useful, right? Like things that they can stack or put things into. Babies love putting things into and taking out of, Mm -hmm. right? And blocks. I I love those because you're right. Those things can really carry over to so much so many more, so much more use out of it than just, you know, two to three months old that can carry them through for many years. Yeah. Like one of my favorite toys is, um, an O-ball car. So we, you know, the top of it is really easy to grab and it rolls easily and we use it with a newborn to, you know, just roll it across her body and give her some sensory experience across, you know, all of her arms and legs and feet. And then, you know, you've got a baby who's, who's in tummy time and you want them to start rolling and you, you know, roll the car across the room and all of a sudden they watch it go across the room and you know, they roll right over. Um, you can use it for crawling and then you've got a baby who's upright. And now you're driving it across the couch and cruising back and forth. And it's, you know, just one of those super simple toys that can go throughout all of the developmental milestones with your kiddo and just kind of meet them where they're at. Those are really good ideas. And actually you'll save moms and dads a lot of money. One thing that, you know, I'm sure if a parent is listening to this and they have all those items, right? They have the swing and the exosaucer and the jumperoo and the bouncy seat and all those extras. 
how, where do they start? Cause I feel like that's always like taking the first step is always the most difficult. So, you know, it's easier if you're listening to this and you're pregnant with your first baby and you haven't gotten anything yet, but most people listening are probably not in that boat. And so where can they begin in this, in trying to encourage more floor time play, especially if their baby is not necessarily used to that? So I loved um, what Mary was saying, where if, if we just think about containers as a safety place, a temporary place, and not a play place, um, that's not where baby is meant to play. If we can default to using the floor more often and use the devices as a safety net, um, for when, you know, we can't supervise baby, then I think you're going to, you're going to gain back hours in your baby's day and playtime. Um, and I think you're going to see an increased quality in their movement too, because the more mm-hmm. they move, the more they learn, the more they do that, the quicker they master their milestones. Um, and I know like in the U S we're, we're obsessed with like getting kids to meet their milestones super fast and on track. And, and, um, a lot of places in the world are, are more laid back about it. But I think for me, it's not about rushing to meet the milestone on a certain timeline, but really just meeting your baby where they're at. And I think giving them more time to explore on the floor is is going to give them the opportunity to develop all those little mini milestones that lead to the big ones like sitting and crawling and walking. Yeah. And problem solving the cognitive aspect to it as well. When they are out in their environment and they got caught under the couch or their ball rolled under something, it's like, well, where did it go? There's so much cognitively going on when they have a bigger environment to explore through. So it's just really a shift in a shift in thinking and um, and little bits at a time, probably yeah, little bits at a time, you know, expanding that floor time. If they get, you know, an hour total a day, trying for an hour and 15 minutes and an hour and 20, like just scaling up a little bit and subtracting that from the container element or, you know, be mindful of not taking your car seat on a walk and using a different type of stroller that allows for more movement. I think that that also just creates a little bit more of that, mm-hmm. that awareness. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it adds up faster than parents realize. Yeah. If you default to the floor and, and really start to shift your mind towards using the containers as a safety uh, purpose. I, I think, I think the time will really add up. Quickly. Yeah, I, I I think I would almost tell parents almost cold turkey. I mean, I would. Oh, yeah, I, you would. I would because there's no there'd be no benefit as long as you have your safe place in your playpen. There's no benefit to the bouncy then, right? Because you have your playpen. Unless, of course, there's a medical issue and there's they don't, baby doesn't like being you know flat and supine. Um, because it's too tempting and it's honestly with mom brain like we've all been there. Like, how many people are really keeping track of minutes? So you know what? If the I mean, if, I can't keep track of the, like anything. I yeah. Can so if the if the exorcaucer is no longer in the house and the bouncy is not there either, then the playpen it is, right. <laughs> or the floor, the floor, and then the playpen when you need to go to the bathroom. I would say cold turkey because you're not gonna. It's gonna be too hard to keep on top of. Well, how many minutes was you know baby in here and in there? I would just. I wonder if I could do it if I was back in the baby stage. But why? But why would you like? Because you. Because so if the purpose is for a safe place, or is the purpose? Well, no, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking more like keeping the baby occupied. Yeah, like right. I think that a lot of parents use them not just as a safe. Like I, I agree fully that the ideal model is a safe space. Like I do think that it starts with shifting your thinking, mm-hmm. obviously. So yeah. we, I think that that is a good direction for parents to start thinking about it. Okay, use it for a safe place. But probably a lot of parents and babies who have been using them for a few months are reliant on that for entertainment purposes. So I'm wondering, and again, I'm, I can't even practice that myself right now because my youngest is four, but, um, you know, would, 
would a parent feel overwhelmed by going cold turkey? Or is that the right thing to do? I think maybe it's, there are, I, I love that in theory, and probably that is the ideal way to do it, right? Cut cold turkey, get them out of your house so you're not even tempted to do it. And probably more quickly, your baby will adapt to being on the floor rather than that slow and steady progress. Mm-hmm. Um, because baby doesn't know which piece of equipment had been removed. He no, doesn't know the exorcizer is missing. Just missing. <laughs> I think I think as parents we feel this overwhelming need to entertain our babies, but honestly, yeah, I think that's where I'm struggling because I feel like as a parent, many parents are concerned about entertaining their babies. So that's where I feel like the the mindset struggle is probably hard for parents to just like cut it out. But but you could also say you put baby in the pack and play. You could give yes. him toys. Yep. You You're know, right. so he's entertained. He's yeah. just not. He's not contained. Yeah, sorry, Brie, I cut you off. Yes. What were you going to say? <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I just think like our our perception is that we need to entertain them, but really boredom leads to curiosity. And right. that's really what we're striving for with our babies. So the curiosity drives the desire to move and explore and learn and, and really engage with the environment. So I think if we change our mindset to, you know, containers are for safety and I don't need to entertain him. Like, I just need to throw down a variety of play items that he can explore. And that's all his brain and body are supposed to be doing right now. Like, I don't need a flashy singing, dancing toy. Like, you know, throw the the whisk down on the floor and throw, you know, an empty wipes box with, you know, baby links inside of it and just see what happens. I think parents sometimes don't let their babies become bored for 10 minutes and really explore. And and when you do that, I think you're often surprised by what skills you may observe your baby do or um, how they may play with an object differently. Um, If you're not, you know, intervening kind of, Um, I think, you know, playing on the floor and just spreading out a variety of toys that are safe um, can be one of the biggest uh, reliefs as a mom <laughs> because you don't feel yeah. like you have to have some like Pinterest worthy, um, you know, floor task ready for your eight month old. But also, like, your eight month old is learning so much through just engaging with toys on the floor. Clinically speaking, Brie, with babies that you have personally worked with, how quickly did you see? an advancement in their motor skills when you educated mom and dad and they were able to sort of get baby on the floor more like how quickly did you see a change or improvement or I've seen I've seen changes in under 6 weeks I mean everybody mm-hmm. has to be on board um so you know the focus is getting baby on the floor but if the focus of everybody in the house is getting baby on the floor and engaging in play and you add up how many minutes that is across baby's wake time it's significant mm-hmm. um so i think you know if you get all caregivers nannies grandparents whoever it is that's helping care for your baby on the same team um we're working on floor play and we're working on you know toys that he can dump out, you know, dump out of a container, make a big mess, you know, whatever it is, but you just pick a goal and you all align to it for six weeks. I've seen huge, huge progress. If parents are looking for a way to find simple play ideas, um, our blog at Sprout and Thrive is full of them. Um, I'm a big fan of, of not really buying baby toys. So most of our blog posts you can do with like a muffin tin and a wash rag and, you know, things that you've already got around the house. Um, so there's a ton of like really simple play ideas that are broken down by age and by skill level. So however you're, you're kind of wanting to search for 
um, activities. And then um, we did just launch the Floor Builds the Core course, which is really meant for parents to help their babies master milestones all the way through tummy time through first steps. And so it's exactly what we've been talking about today, um, but it really gives parents a ton of different positions to put baby in. So, you know, getting them out of the containers and onto the floor, but then what? Okay, well then place them over your leg and play a game here or place them over the couch cushion and let's play here. So there's over two hours of um, video tutorials of play ideas and positions for parents over there. Um, so if you're feeling like ditching the container is overwhelming and you don't know what to do then, um, we do have resources for you over at sproutandthrive.com. That's like the solution, right? Because like you said, Allison, it's like, well, now what? So now right. the baby's on the floor, but what do we do now? So it seems like your course answers that question for moms and dads. Like this is this is how baby can play and be happy and learn and explore and improve on his motor and sensory skills. Exactly. Yeah. I love great. it. Yeah. Wait, can you just tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. So you can find us at sproutandthrive.com or on Instagram at underscore sprout and thrive. And that's all words, sprout and thrive. Yep. Spelled out. All yes. spelled out. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Great account. And we really appreciate you coming on and joining us. This has been so fun to talk with you. Such an important topic too. It is. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information. And since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or a local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.